0: Joseph Fung quietly blows my mind and shows me that I am behind the curve and almost every single other entrepreneur I know is actually behind the curve about how culture should fit into your business. Check it out. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to The Do Zone. I don't look to jump over seven-foot bars. I look for one-foot bars that I can step over. Warren Buffett. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. Glad to have you here. Hey, to make sure you don't miss any other episodes, I want you to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. Also, if you're looking to better understand how you get stuff done, head over to dozonedna.com and take our personality profile assessment built specifically for busy entrepreneurs just like you. It's going to show you how to build the world around you for optimal performance. Once again, that's dozonedna.com. Today's guest is Mr. Joseph Fung. Joseph is a four-time entrepreneur with multiple successful exits and the host of the Seller's Journey podcast. And he's also currently the CEO of Uvaro, the fastest growing tech sales bootcamp in North America. We help, he helps people in career transition launch their careers in tech, and he would love to help tell their stories. So, Joseph, welcome to The Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me.
1: What's up, everyone? Listening in. Something to get things done. Uh, for those entrepreneurs listening in, I'd say the best way to get more th- get things done faster is to stop interviewing as fast as you can. Get yourself out of those
0: interviews. <laughs> okay. All right, tell me more. We're in an interview right now. Is this is so meta, dude. <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs> those hiring interviews. That's what I mean. The hiring. Well, the
0: hiring interviews. Yeah, okay. Hiring. Tell me so, more about that. The best way to get more stuff done is get yourself out of those interviews. Yeah. What do you yeah. Mean? So, uh, I mean,
1: you you already you already evoked Warren Buffett earlier. I know you're you're a Jim Rohn fan. So, uh, you know, you got another one. You've got uh, Peter Drucker. He's got that quote, you know, culture each strategy for breakfast. And time and time again, I I mean, I say this (laughs) pot calling the kettle black, I've fallen into this trap myself, you know, many times, but I see so many founders and entrepreneurs who hear that and interpret it the wrong way. They think what they need to do is be the bouncer at the door, you know, chart the course of the culture, be really picky about who you invite in. And as a result, they end up interviewing and, you know, challenging themselves, when really, they need to not be a bouncer, but be a builder. The best thing you can do is to set yourself up to pull yourself out of that hiring chair as fast as you can, because I mean, it's a laudable goal, but it's going to force you to do a ton of things better and get stuff off your plate really fast. And you'd be surprised the compounding effect of it.
0: Interesting. So, uh, I know that a lot of the circles that I run in, uh, they say the number one skill that you really need to develop as an entrepreneur is hiring and firing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're giving the contrarian approach and saying, "No, actually, get yourself out of that seat. Don't be a bouncer at the door. Be a builder." I, I, and and I, I have a sense that there's a little more of that story. So, could you could you dive into the difference between a bouncer and a builder? Describe both. Let's start with the Boulder. bouncer.
1: Sure, sure. So that bouncer is that. So if I'm if I'm the CEO wearing the bouncer's hat, not just wearing like the black T-shirt and being really big and broad in the shoulders, I'm you know I'm thinking this person I'm interviewing, do I want to let them shape the culture of my company? Do I want to invite them in? Uh, You know, maybe that's really messy and sloppy, like one of those culture fit interviews, or maybe it's really structured, but I'm still gonna be the gatekeeper. There's an inherent challenge there. That means your company can only ever hire as fast as your availability. And that's a huge limiter. The second thing is it means that no one else in your company gets anointed with the skills and the capabilities to help influence that culture, which means you have no succession plan for your culture. And that is such a massive risk. But but let me ask you that. Have you ever had a chance to add someone to your team where you completely let go, you relinquished control, you're like, hey, you know, someone else on my team, I trust you entirely to make that hire. Have you ever had that chance, Josh?
0: No it is a terrifying thing
1: i'll say it it's like you're standing at a ledge it is terrifying
0: i'm not entirely sure i'm that good at it yet you know how could i how could i trust somebody else
1: but you know you hear that like that skill that adage it's like hey if you want to prove you know something train someone else well give yourself that challenge like as an entrepreneur how could you teach someone how could you train someone to interview for culture as well as you could and if you challenge yourself to do that you're going to find two things one you actually articulate your culture way better than you could have if you just keep it in the back of your head. And number two, you're going to equip others to carry your flag and your business will move faster. Because that way, you can work on other strategic challenges, not just those interviews. Uh, if, if folks think better by analogy, a good way to think about it is working in the business versus working on the business. Would you rather be responsible for making culture all the time or can you build a culture factory? Mm-hmm. your hiring process, your interview process, is your culture factory. And if you're responsible for interviewing everybody and hiring everyone, there's a natural limit to how big your company can get. If you're responsible and you're accountable for that, again, there's no succession plan. You can never actually give that company or sell it or transition uh, control uh, without doing that. And, and there's a lot of ways to make that doable. You And know, not just like, hey, do the same, do this challenging thing without you know having any recommended processes, but honestly, the founders and the entrepreneurs I know who seem the most stressed are the same ones who say, I interviewed every new hire through employee 100 or 120 or 130 and man, that's tough. Uh, and the stuff. And I'm not saying like do it for your next employee. It's a challenge. Uh, the lowest, the earliest hire that I've gotten to is is number 10 with this most recent company got to employee 10, where I was hands off in the interview process. Uh, Huge successful hire, and I aspire to get myself down to single digit employees, maybe for my next company. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how much time I've given myself
0: to build my companies
1: by getting that off of my plate.
0: Wow. It, you know, it's it, as we progress as a society, as technology mm-hmm. evolves, as our knowledge continues to increase, everything seems to be moving ever faster. Uh and uh, what I mean here let me give a little context to this is there's for thousands of years the level of knowledge just kind of you know stayed about the same, you know. People didn't really learn things very fast when we were living in caves. You know, and and people didn't learn things very fast when Uh, There were like kings and knights and lords, you know, they were learning a little faster then, but not much. And then the Renaissance came around and everybody's learning everything all the time. It became cool. And then the industrial revolution happened and the technology was like doubling every couple of years and advancing. And now we're to the point to where business has started to go through that hockey stick growth of of understanding about how business works you've got guys like peter drucker who you know uh, however 50 years ago started talking about this stuff and now it's catching on and there are a huge majority of entrepreneurs who are just catching on to the idea that my number one skill needs to be the bouncer at the door to make sure that i get the right people on the bus that's mm-hmm. been the zeitgeist of the last 10 years joseph and you're messing it all up for us <laughs> it's it's funny because
1: everybody gets the idea the goal but i think everyone assumes it's a very small effort like let's take that quote you know culture and strategy for breakfast well if culture is more important let's look at strategy we all know strategy is hard there's Competitive analysis. There's your market research. I mean, you can go and when you can get a a degree from Harvard focusing on strategy. Why should we assume that culture is simpler and easier? And mm. if you really want to be great at it, it's a, it's a buttload of effort. It's really hard. And if you can delegate those efforts, uh, wow, you can amplify what you do.
0: Yeah, there's there's a uh, if anybody who's ever. Studied arts, music, mm-hmm. or or any sort of performance. Uh, Joseph, do you do you have any kind of crea- creative uh, bones in you? Are you a singer, a musician, or anything like that? I I love the question. I,
1: I'm a musician, sax, piano, a little bit of EDM, but I am the furthest from a vocalist you could imagine. Okay, I, this is not one of those humble brags. I am actually the worst singer you might ever meet.
0: So okay, <laughs> let's do
1: everything else about vocal, except vocals except know. <laughs> All right,
0: cool. So uh, I have a degree in music, and uh, I uh, actually was a teacher for a while, taught music, and I was a performer. And it's there's something about when a musician sees a musician play, they know if that guy knows what's up or not. Most people will just be like, hey, man, that sounds cool. But you you appreciate the fact that this guy has technique. And if you're watching a saxophone player and you're you're watching his finger work and you, you see how he's able to get that full tone out of the tenor sax, you hear that and you're like, I like this guy so much more because of that little subtle thing that 98% of the people in the room can't even hear. But it means everything to me because you know how many years that guy fought in the practice room, shedding the wood to get that sound. You know, and it's one of those things where it looks so simple for him to stand up on that stage and, but you know what it took to get there. And when you don't know what it takes, it's kind of like, oh, wow, that's, that's really fascinating. I bet I could probably figure that out in a few minutes. (laughs) Isn't that how most of us got into entrepreneurship?
1: You know, you see somebody else, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure I could do that.
0: I think, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look... That guy's not very smart. I'm I sure could probably I do, do, do this better day. than him. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a funny Funny you bring that up. I, I have a friend of mine who... Uh, I'm going to leave all the details out because, uh, because I actually know both of these guys and, they, and I love them both to death. But I have a friend of mine who was saw another of my friends start a business and he was looking at it and he was like oh no dude you're doing <laughs> that so wrong And he was like Hol, hold my beer and then he went and started it and he did it better just basically he started it just to prove that he could do it better than this guy and he was right by the way <laughs> But he already had the pedigree of running successful businesses. And the other guy was just like figuring stuff out as he goes. You know? <laughs> but that was definitely a scenario where it's like, I think I that guy's not that smart. I think I can do it better than him. <laughs> I think if we unpacked most most of companies'
1: founding stories, it probably starts with a conversation like that.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, like uh hold my beer. Mm. I got you, buddy. Um and so, you know, you've been through a few successful exits at this point, and you, you've you latched on to the, I know this was like, I asked you one question, and we've just been diving deep on this one thing for like 15 minutes, but it's fascinating to me. I had no idea what you were going to say, but now that you've said it, like, shit, dude, I think you got a point. All right, so we understand what the, the culture bouncer is. Mm-hmm. Tell us what the culture builder is and how do we assume that role? No, since most of us are just wrapping our head around the fact that we got to get the right people on the bus. Uh, and now you're saying, Well, no, nah, we, we you can get somebody else to do that. Well, now what do I do? The uh,
1: it, it's something that I'm always working on. I, 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 if I had to point out one thing, I'm always trying to get better at it's this. So, uh, if anyone listening in, has more suggestions, I'd always love to learn. But uh, three things that I've tried to bake in, especially to this most recent company, first off is getting better at designing interview processes. I don't even mean running them, I mean designing them. Uh, so simple example, people say stuff like, hey, my va- you know my culture, my values, uh, customer first is a really important part. Well, you can't just ask somebody, what do you think about culture? You know your culture and customers first, or, you know, how do you treat customers first? Like those aren't valuable questions. You need to actually think through, hey, that value, customer first. What behaviors would somebody demonstrate if they actually lived and breathed that? Okay, well, maybe they would sacrifice their own time, or they'd give up money in order to make something better for the customer. Okay, well, let's actually design interview questions, you know, that's that. Can you tell me a time when you did something that was bad for the business, but good for customers? And like just that skill, designing really good interview questions is going to pay dividends, because those questions, like those are those things you build once and you can use forever you don't need to rebuild them every time you launch a new product or you hire a new person you can design those once and equip every future hire to do those again so that's the that's the first thing that I'd start with uh, people underestimate how hard it is to build really good interviews and doubling down on that is going to take you
0: the first really really big step so about that uh, mm. you you just reminded me uh, so i have spent uh, if you counted it up, probably more than an entire year of my life, actively talking on the phone selling something.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and I'm not talking about like, you know, a few hours, like actual amount of time, like the amount of hours in a year, I've probably actually been on the phone. Like if you take out all the sleeping and messing around. So uh, a lot of time, mm-hmm. a lot of hours, and uh, probably 5,000 different conversations minimum. Maybe more. And I was just having a conversation brought on a new salesperson for this uh, this one company that I consult with. And I was listening to how he was phrasing something. and he was kind of leading the prospect, like uh, he was trying to reframe the the conversation because prospect was kind of going off in the left field and and he was trying to get him back. And he was following all the basic fundamentals, like, well, I mean, you really you would want to be more like this, right? It's just a basic classic, just like no, I, don't you want to look over here? Uh, and and I heard that, and my reaction to him, without knowing, like he just told me that's what he said, without knowing the situation, I said, well, well why don't you ask that question differently? Because mm. you're leading that person, and they they're the the path of least resistance when somebody says, well, don't you want to look over here? If Even if you've just given up, you're like, yeah, sure. What's over there? But you don't care. You're already checked out, right? Mm. The, the, the better way to approach that situation is instead of to lead, to be curious and, and instead say, okay, well, that's interesting. What is it that you're looking to accomplish right now? And give them the chance to demonstrate to you whether they even need to be on the phone or not maybe we should just like hang up and I'll send you uh, a PDF and you can read that and we'll talk some other time when you're actually interested in talking about this <laughs> stuff. And, and that's what, as soon as you started saying that, that started to make a lot of sense. Ask a question that is going to allow somebody to demonstrate who they are and why they're there instead exactly. of leading them. It's so funny how much we can learn from really good sales
1: processes and apply them to really good kind of hr and hiring processes it's like you talk to any sales team and they will say hey really good discovery questions are critical to having a really good sales cycle it's the same thing with a hiring cycle like it's, it's just way more rigorous way more effective better than just sitting down and saying hey do i like this person would i have a beer with them like that's useful it's good to know if you like the person but that's not a scalable thing like the next person you hire might like having beers with other people Let's, let's figure out <laughs> how we make this repeatable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And does their ability to have a beer with you actually help your company grow? Totally. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the
1: awesome. first one is like at that, that interviewing skill. And then the second one, this is the one that people struggle with. And early entrepreneurs, especially. Like, say this. I did the same thing. Is you got to be really good at hunting and following pain signals. We're, as, as entrepreneurs as founders we we've got these happy years you know we like it when our customers say good things, when our employees say good things, when our investors say good things, but we gotta hunt and seek out those painful conversations because that signal is what tells us there's something we need to fix um the The analogy I use is Hansen's disease. Uh, a lot of people might think about it they, they they've they've heard of leprosy and you know the actual name of it is hansen's disease and uh, a terrible, a really, really tough disease uh, caused by infection, usually affects your extremities. But a lot of people don't know how it works. And it attacks your nerves, your peripheral nerves in particular. So like your hands, your feet, uh, and the inflammation causes you to lose sensation, the ability to sense pain. You can get wounded, hurt, infected, and you don't even know. And so as you start to suffer the consequences, you actually lose that sensation in your extremities. And it's a terrible disease. But there is a direct parallel in businesses like a business like hansen's disease these changes take a long time to develop and as you grow you lose those signals and those damaged areas in your corporate culture they have the lasting consequence but if you get really good at picking up that pain signal and then following it you're gonna get to like root cause challenges that they feel painful at first like people will say things like we're not living up to our values you know, your our leadership has a problem, like, oh, that's really hard as an entrepreneur. But if you can actually dig into those, you're going to be able to diagnose and fix problems that let your culture really excel. And mm. you do that with strategic questions like market fit, product fit, things like that. We should do the same thing with culture issues.
0: Mm. And what's the third one?
1: The third thing we talk about is finding stories. I. Right. I was chatting with someone earlier. I was like, hey, name a really good company, a company that you like. Uh, And they said, Google, Google's cool, do no evil. Uh, And I was recently talking to an employee at Google. And they're like, hey, tell me what you really like, you know, about your company. And they're like, oh my goodness, it's been closed because of the pandemic, but I love the cafeteria. You know, the food is always really good, free lunches. Like the reality is, yeah, the food's pretty good. But I mean, when times are tough, people cut lunches. That's not really a meaningful cultural attribute. Uh, So your job as a CEO and as a founder is to find the really compelling stories and tell them again and again to make it easy for others to tell and share that stories. Because when your employees or your team members talk about your company, you want them to be sharing the stories you've given them, not your lunch. Or your swag, or the color of the wall at your office, or the crabby boss, or the CEO who's there all the time. You know, you want to make sure you're you're equipping your team with the stories, so they become give, uh, your cultural storytellers.
0: Give them give them the stories that you feel are worth telling. So because if you don't, they are going to fill that void with their own stories for better totally. or worse. Yeah, interesting. And-
1: and the reality is it's gonna be stuff you don't like. It'll be like, oh, we don't have a ping pong table. We don't have a foosball table. And like, we all know that's not really what your company's about. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's about the times when you gave something up to help a customer, things like that. So you gotta craft those stories.
0: I love this. So just a quick review here. Get better at designing interview processes and asking better questions. Be really good at hunting and following pain signals because just like Hansen's disease, better known as leprosy, It takes a long time for those symptoms to develop, but the signals come soon, but you lose the sensation to detect them after a period of time. And then finally, find stories and tell the stories that are worth telling and empower your people Mm -hmm. to tell those stories instead of whatever story they happen to come up with that may not be related to what the narrative you want to put out there. Do that was super precise. And I need to just listen
1: to this podcast again because you say that way more succinctly than I do. So thank you for that. Welcome.
0: There's an invoice in the mail, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this is a good moment for us to kind of break, uh, break things up. You got this, uh, I know you're a Joseph Fung, but you kind of got this Joseph Gordon Levin look, uh, Levin look about you. I don't know if anybody's ever said that.
1: Um, I, I got to tell my wife that cause she's definitely a fan and I'm, I am taking that one all the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Get it, get it, get at it. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to crack that noggin open and, uh, we'll see how that brain works. We're going to do some do zone diagnostic. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. So, uh, quick rapid fire. First thing comes to mind. Uh, number one, what's one thing that you do that keeps you focused on your goals? I keep them written down and I pair them to music. Ooh, I like that. And, uh, Joseph, how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? I crank the music louder and go back to the start of the playlist. <laughs> All right, cool. A little association there. Uh, and who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? My co-founders
1: are my support group and they keep me accountable by asking me the questions I
0: ask them to ask. <laughs> I'm more on that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> asking them the questions you ask them to ask. I, I love that. That actually, that fits in really well with uh, what you were saying earlier, design a better interview process. And then find the stories that you want to be told. So kind of you're kind of hitting two of the three there right now. And well, you know, and that helps you find the pain signals. So yeah, that, that lines up pretty well. And, and so, Joseph, how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete?
1: I don't know where the phrase comes from, but the one I stick with is you got to eat your frogs early in the morning. Start with the toughest, most unpleasant part. And then everything else is better from there on in.
0: That's right. Actually, that was, that was the quote that I used for the last episode that, uh, that will air right before yours, actually eat a live frog (laughs) first thing in the morning (laughs) and nothing worse will happen to you for the entire day. It's a Mark Twain quote.
1: Literally our mornings always start off with like, there's one or two people on our team that are eating a lot of frogs that day.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, last question. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time?
1: Write it down. Well, I guess measure gets done, but so does what's written.
0: Excellent. So uh, talk to me a little bit, Joseph, about uh, how you've, you've been through some successful exits. Can you maybe pick one of those? Talk about how you got into it and how you got out of it at a high level. My, uh, the
1: last company we ran was an HR technology company. You know, we got into it with a vision, how, what if we could make your, your personnel file feel less like a secret government file and more like your social media profile, you know, you choose who you're sharing it with and it's all very social, uh, we got into it with that aspiration, like helping people do better work, we had great success with it. And honestly, the way we got out of it was one of our biggest partners uh we were selling alongside them uh i had an executive on my team who read some really good signals and said one day hey guys if you're running a process you know you should include us you know don't exclude us and they ended up revealing to us that they had decided to buy a company instead of just partnering uh and they went through a large long matchmaking and hunting process and at the end uh we were the the best option Uh, And then we ended up selling it and it was the whole journey altogether. It was about three years from start to exit.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. And uh, so it's, it's a really interesting uh, scenario that you're painting here. Like if we take a look at this at the high level, uh, you took something that was just in obscurity that was unsexy and you know, you gave it, You gave it some lipstick, you, you, you put it through the car wash, you know, you put a nice dress on it and you, you made it sexy. You made something sexy that wasn't sexy. And a lot of times a building a successful business, that's all you're really doing because it's, it's kind of hard to create new stuff. You know, you can put your spin on it. You can make something else more attractive, but that's what you got.
1: Mm -hmm. The the thing I'll hammer that's, That was the right way to phrase it. The thing that I'll emphasize out of all of that is that sexiness. As we went through the process, the buyer looked at 70 different companies. When they came back to us, like originally we said, no, we can't agree to terms. They continued looking at companies. They came back to us and in their own words, they couldn't find another product that looked as good as ours Mm -hmm. or a team that was as excited about the space.
0: Mm It's
1: Like, wow. Beautiful product, excited team. That's really what got us to the
0: altar. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. Um, the The details, the exact details are escaping me, uh, but I have a, uh, a good friend and colleague of mine. His name is Drew Whitson. He's a multifamily uh, real estate investor. And uh, he was on a stage at an event that we were both uh, participating in talking about a deal that he did. He buys apartment mm-hmm. buildings. And uh, he was talking about this one particular deal that there was absolutely nothing special about this deal. He he literally called it a filing cabinet for humans. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and there was a there was a delayed reaction in the audience, and they were like they kind of caught on to what he said. <laughs> He's a super dry guy, you know. He's like, there's just nothing special about this thing. It's a filing cabinet for humans, you know. And then like two minutes later, everybody was like, oh, you know. And so, but what they did is they told a story. Mm -hmm. They told a story about this property and the growth of this property and the projections of this property and the fact that they created and fostered a community with this property. And these are things that they do with every property that they purchase. They just Mm -hmm. don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they talked about it allowed them to increase their multiple on the sale. And they made a heck of a lot more money on this filing cabinet for humans that they ever expected to make because they sold the story. It was the same property, but they sold the story and that property actually didn't even perform as well as other properties that they had, but it, it, it sold at a higher multiple because people were buying into that story. It was sexier. It looks better.
1: Mm-hmm. We're at that the end of the day, example.
0: you know, we're, we got our calculators, we got our, our P and L's, um, but we're all human beings and we're looking for a good story. The,
1: the fun part about that, that, as you say, that resonates with me with the deal that I talked about, the interesting part about our story was that, the CEO of the buying company, the company that bought us previously was the CEO of another tech company in the antivirus space and had built a research and development office in our community. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he'd been looking for was an opportunity to do the same thing because it was so effective. And a large part of our story was we already have the kernel of an exceptional engineering team. We can build a world-class development office here for them. and. At the time the team here was about 16 now it's about 200 people so that point about the story was like charting that vision of building something much larger alongside them uh, that they could buy into and get behind
0: that's awesome and so uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and who is your ideal person that you would want to engage with
1: yeah for for us uvaro we're a career success platform so we uh, as you mentioned earlier we help people who are transitioning into tech land amazing roles and be really successful. So the the people that we're usually helping are folks who maybe on their first or second job, they're looking to make a big difference and benefit from training, job matching, and ongoing coaching. Um, Or on the flip side, people who are looking to build their teams. Uh, We mostly train people who are going into sales, customer service, account management roles. Uh, So if anybody's listening in and looking to build their teams in those areas, they can hit us up and happy to introduce them to some high caliber people.
0: Excellent. And so is it, is it kind of, uh, do you have a big pool of, of people in that industry and it's kind of a recruiting firm or, or what, what would be the, the best yeah. way to describe it?
1: So if a company is reaching out to us, if they're just looking to hire one or two people, we'll just make the introduction because that's really helpful. Uh, we do have a service, uh, and, and happy to make that introduction anytime uh, we do have a service for larger employers like if people are saying hey this year I got I know I'm gonna have to hire 10, 20 people I really want a bench like a stable of talent that I can hire when I need it. Uh, we do run virtual apprenticeship programs uh, for, for larger businesses. Um, but if someone's looking to hire one or two people happy to make an introduction, uh, not a recruiting agency we just we have a membership of incredibly talented people and we're always happy to help them, you know, grow and improve their careers
0: so introductions are an easy way to do that. Excellent, and and so have you found a particular niche that uh, that you that you're able to serve best as as far as making those types of introductions?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of our members go on to technology companies or service companies, so consulting, financial services, uh, selling software or hardware, uh, because a lot of them. Are well trained to work remotely, to sell remotely, and service customers remotely. Uh, and we have members all across America and Canada, so it's a fun, fun gamut. Uh, we end up working with a lot of uh, online and remote teams
0: regularly. Okay. And then, as, as across the tech spectrum, are there any particular roles that that you feel Yuvaro really specializes in developing and cultivating? Yeah, if you're if you're hiring anybody
1: with like an SDR or BDR, so sales development role, business development role, account executive, uh, customer success management, or account management, uh, those are the standard ones. Uh, we do have folks that go into more revenue operations or analyst roles, uh, but the the sales and revenue oriented roles are typically where our members land.
0: Okay, got it. Makes sense, man. Awesome. So, uh, and one more time, that's uvaro Is there any is there any special meaning to that word, uvaro? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, a, I mean, like all entrepreneurs, the domain name and the handles are all available. Uh, but <laughs> it was also named after Marcus Varro. He's an ancient Roman scholar, and he's often attributed as being the most prolific and well cited scholar. So, hey, if we're reskilling people, that's a good name to be linked to.
0: I like it. Excellent. Joseph Fung, uh, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing uh, your wisdom about how you get things done and uh, for, for making us all realize we're a little bit behind the curve. <laughs> 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 Appreciate you. For those of you who are interested in a tech sales career uh, or you are interested in engaging people with people who are in tech sales uh, or tech service, you are encouraged to visit uvaro.com, uvar com, And there's also a podcast, right, Joseph? That's right, Seller's Journey. The Seller's Journey podcast. Excellent. So one more time, Joseph Fung, if you want to connect with him and his company, Uvaro, you can go to uvaro.com. That's it uh, for us. We're going to wrap up from here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Once again, if you want to keep hearing great content like this, Be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. And don't forget to get your own personal DoZone DNA by visiting DoZoneDNA.com. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend, screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.